Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. (laughs) All right, today we got Jacob Croyle. Hello. We got Rob Croyle. I'm here. And myself, Logan. We're here. Sitting in this corner. Sitting in this corner. Uh, yeah. So just here for some delicious footnotey goodness. Uh, talk mm. a little bit more about diversity. Continue the conversation some, and uh, just hopefully give you some something to something to ponder this week. So, yeah. uh, right off the top, we we should apologize. We made fun of Rob last week on shortcomings for making a sermon go really long. And I hadn't actually listened to the recording of the sermon to like time how long it was, but it wasn't actually 45 minutes. I was given bad information by people. It was <laughs> it was the standard 40 minutes. It was like, 38 minutes. It was, it was 38 minutes. It was the standard 40 minutes. With the bump music. It was 38 minutes. We just, I looked at the clock and it's 45 after and we're still doing worship. I'm like, what did I do? Uh, something else must have gone long or something. I mean, it was still longer <laughs> than you you intended, but mm-hmm. it's not that long. So we're not gonna we're not gonna make a big deal out of that. People people weren't dying and falling Nobody out died. of windows. Nobody died. Yeah, it was fine. So, uh, well, that said, this week you did go a little bit longer, but still not that bad. So we're not even gonna worry about it. Let's jump right in. Yeah, let's do it. And let's start off talking about the book of Acts. Specifically, Jacob, you got something from Acts chapter 6 yeah. to talk about. Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7. Uh, I just thought this was a great example of uh, the early church dealing with diversity like very early on. Um, but I'm going to read it. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven of good repute, uh, full, of, uh, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose uh, Stephen a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of, dis- of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Um, and I just thought this was interesting because... Um, this kind of goes back to uh, the times we've talked about the different um, groups of Jews in Jesus' times. Um, we, we usually call the Hellenists the uh, the Herodians, um, these very Greek-influenced Jews. Um, and, and it's just interesting to note how, like, uh, this was a, a time where they were ha- having a hard time with diversity with, like, people that looked a lot like each other, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause these are, these are all still Jews at this point. Yes. Yep. Yeah. These are all still Jews. Um, the Gentiles hadn't entered the conversation yet. Um, and yeah, it was just kind of interesting cause, uh, 
because of that stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because so one one of the applications this week was invite in anyone you see attempting to honor God, and and I think we see that clearly in the Book of Acts when we look at the Ethiopian eunuch that Philip engages with in Acts chapter 8, and then the Samaritans that Philip engages with also in Acts chapter 8, and then Peter engages with Cornelius in, in Acts chapter 10 and sees the Holy Spirit coming coming upon the whole crowd, the whole group that Cornelius has brought together. And Peter's going, okay, if, if God is working in their life, who am I to get in the way? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really kind of where the heart of that application comes out of. Mm-hmm. Like we may have our prejudices about, you know, there's nothing good that comes out of, you know, Moscow, Idaho, or, you know, whatever our prejudice is. <clears throat> Hagerman, Idaho, you know, something. Um, <laughs> He's named <laughs> both places Hagerman. I've lived mostly. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> You know, we make, we, we, whatever, you know, we have our prejudices, you know, like you walk around town with your, when I wear my Cougar jersey over in, in Seattle, you know. Oh, sure. You know, people are like, whatever, dude, you know. Mm. Um, this is me when I was in Boise last week wearing all my Vandal gear. Right, right. Loud and proud, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, of course, they're looking at you going, that heathen. Uh, they're looking and they're like, man, I wish I was a Vandal. <laughs> Their football team sucks, but at least he's not selling fries. What? Oh, <laughs> snap! <laughs> so you know, and we're trying to make light of you know, like the different prejudices that we have. It, to put it more Missoula terms, this is your Grizz cat. Like we get our rivalries, we get our like, oh, people from people from Helena, those people, and. Uh, you know, when I lived in Spokane, when I lived in Spokane, we had a lot of disdain for the left side of the state. Yep. Which is the coast. King County is is highly liberal. And uh, if we could have seceded from... Oh, they're always talking about seceding from the west side of of uh, Washington. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, those those prejudices that, that we that kind of are the undercurrent of our conversations and we maybe even don't even recognize that we have those prejudices. They can they can be like they can be small, harmless. Like, no, it's not a bad like having some school loyalty and, you know, having rivalries, Grizz Cat, Huskies, Cougars, whatever whatever your rivalry is. Like it, it, it's not it's not inherently bad, but those those small little things they get in there and eventually they turn into these they can turn into these much larger um uh issues and with peter and cornelius i mean when when the jews found out that peter went to talk to cornelius you went into it wasn't even just wasn't even just talk it was you went into his house yeah you what ate, are you thinking you ate with a gentile <gasps> Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a big deal. So this was, so, you know, quickly from Acts chapter 7, right? Six. Six? Six. From Acts chapter 6 to Acts chapter 10, God is full full court mode. Like, he's full press. He's, 
He is uh he is pushing the cor- he's pushing the ball down the field and everybody has got to get on board real quick here. <laughs> right. Like nope, everyone the floodgates are opening and they are all coming in. I've Learn been, to deal. I bet in 6, you know, the the apostles were like, "Yep, we, we've got this." You know, we've got this handle. We've got this whole mixed thing handled. Man, we got it mixed. We, <laughs> yeah. we brought in those Hellenists. That's like super simple, well, man. Some of the twelve were uh, Matthew, uh, Mark, were Herodians. No, Matthew. Yeah, uh, I mean, probably true. Uh, not Matthew. Matthew for sure. Not Matthew, tax collector. Yeah, tax collector. Oh, tax. Yeah, sorry. Matthew. Like he's he's um, probably for sure. Other ones might have, might not have been. Yeah, yeah. Not as strong a case to be made. I'm, but I'm trying to remember a, a couple of the other. Because that was that apostles was the, had Greek names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the impressive thing that Jesus did. Like at first was just that he had all those groups together, and we talked sure. about that a bit, or you talked about that a bit in the sermon, where um, who's the greatest in the kingdom? The disciples weren't arguing like who is better; they were arguing who who is right. Yeah, and this is this is Whose like our conversation back in uh, right. December with Marty. We talked about this a lot, so go back and check mm-hmm. out that. Uh, I think it's December sixth episode of Footnotes. Right. If you want more on that? But that carried into the early church mm-hmm. dealing with the Hellenists. The Hellenists are like, "Wait, we're not getting what we need," and they're like, "Oh, okay." So then they they delegate mm-hmm. out some ministry. Like right. it's not important. We need to be preaching and stuff, but we're going to delegate somebody to handle this. Mm-hmm. We're going to get it handled. We're going to take care of it. All right, cool. We're doing fine. And then all of a sudden we see Philip with the eunuch. Like, church is getting a little bit bigger. That's a tougher... It's spreading into Judea and Samaria. Okay, well, that that's still, like, it's still Jewish light. Yep. Um, very similar. This is like cousins. Mm-hmm. Still spreading. It's still all right. And then Cornelius, the floodgates are open there with the Gentiles. Right, and we're right. like, oh, crap. Now it gets difficult. Because what do we... And then, then we see the council. We talked about this back in the Acts series, so go you can go back and listen to this, but this is very abbreviated here. Like They have the council. They decide, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to create space for them? Mm-hmm. Like, Do they have to fully become Jewish? Do we just... like What do they need to do to be a part of our community? And then it seems that Paul, even later, kind of softens the mm-hmm. edges even more. Mm-hmm. Like he... Um, as you know, I think part of this is just coming to terms with grace. Yeah, uh, coming to terms with the fact that God really, truly does want every tongue, every nation, to be a part of this. And you know, I was reading this morning. Um, trying to think who whose email I was processing on, but um. It was talking about refugees, and and it was just like, hey, here's the facts on, on refugees and and what they're dealing with, and you know those kinds of things. And you know, I've just I've seen so much out there about. Well, there's a lot of fear, I think, about refugees, and yet many of these refugees are Christians. Like they're coming here because. They're being persecuted in their homeland. Yeah. And there's a lot of misinformation surrounding that topic. Yeah. So um, it's World Relief. I was reading some material from World Relief and and you know, there's just some great information out there on 
on what is actually happening. What does it take for a refugee to come into the U.S.? I mean, there's a very thorough process. It takes several years. So by the time someone is a refugee in the U.S., they've been vetted twice by the U.S. government, Mm -hmm. basically gone through a security clearance process. Yeah. And uh, they've been vetted by the U.N., by by the U.S. There's a partnership organization within the U.S. that's working with them. So it's not like they're just landing in Missoula and, and on their own. Mm-hmm. And um, and yet these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, we serve the same Savior many times. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay, this is this is an interesting thought. Refugees don't have to come from out of the country. I was having some conversations. Uh, this weekend I was down in Boise for a wedding, and uh, I, I was having some conversations over lunch with uh, my choir uh, professor from back in college who is in Twin Falls and a couple of other students that were there at CSI with me, and they now live down in St. George, um, way down at the bottom of, of Utah, I think that's where that's at. And uh, they, both of them were saying that there's a lot of people coming in from California. Uh, Specifically, my choir professor was talking about because of the Paradise Creek fire, or I think it was the Paradise Creek fire. That that was the big one last year that Mm. like, it like decimated an entire area, city, thousands and thousands and thousands of people are displaced. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening is a lot of them are getting their insurance money and then they're just selling down there and they're moving. Right. Right. Um, and in fact, she was talking about Costco. The business took on a, um, like from a corporate level, decided to prioritize any transfers coming from that area. Oh, wow. Above anyone else. Right. And this is company-wide. But there's a lot of them that are moving to the Twin Falls area near where I grew up and where the college is. Well, there's actually water for forest fires? There's, well, there's, I mean, they're moving from one desert to another, but I guess. Uh, it's two falls there, right? <clears throat> yeah, trickling streams. Trickling streams. <clears throat> but uh, two falls <laughs> in the desert. But... Uh, <laughs> No, but it's 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 almost like problematic because there's so many people coming in. Sure. <laughs> um, so like she has a student that was coming from I forget where, transferring some from somewhere else, and thought that they'd be able to get a job at Costco and just transfer in because they've been working for Costco for two years wherever else they were they were at, and they're on a wait list now because they keep getting bumped by these Paradise Creek people coming in. Oh wow. Um, which is, I mean, yeah, that's problematic, but it's also really cool to see Costco taking care of their employees from that area. Oh, mm-hmm. I love that. I love um, that idea. But these are people that are, they've lost everything and they're coming in to a completely different area. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, there's, I, my friends from St. George, like there's a little bit of pushback against, well, I mean, we even mentioned earlier, like, oh, the Californians coming in. Yeah. Right. Like, how often do we get mad about the Californians or the Seattle people coming into Missoula and like they keep knocking our property, you know, prices up and it's too expensive and yeah. gentrification and you know we get all 
there's this pushback, these little prejudices that we have that have built into that. And these people aren't all that different from us. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you think about the Paradise Creek fire situation, like their world was decimated. Yeah, and there's nothing there now. And so now you come to Twin Falls, and let's say a few hundred people come in at Twin Falls, and that changes the employment, you know, that, that changes the employment pool, how many people are actually looking for work versus how many qualif- qualifying jobs are there. Yep. And so that waters that down. So it has an impact on the new community. Mm-hmm. And if you just look at it from that standpoint of you're impacting my comfort, you are changing the dynamics for me and my family. You're changing the status quo. Sure. You know, whatever the case may be, if you just look at it from that lens, that's a very selfish way to look at it, which is oftentimes how we look at things. That's you know, our when, knee-jerk mm-hmm. reaction, though. Like, you know, how does this affect me? Someone cuts me off in traffic. You know, I'm not thinking <coughs> that was, about the fact How did that, that just affect me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. You know, like not paying attention to the fact that they had to jump lanes because someone was sure. about ready to run into them. Or, you know, Who knows or, what? Or, or they're trying to get someplace quickly, too, because they're late for an interview. You know, whatever. Like, we don't know what their story is. We just know what our story is. And we're hoping that their story doesn't interrupt our story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big key for diversity because in each of these stories that we talk about in the book of Acts, like the conversation changed and the conversation got harder and there are new challenges and, you know, status quo feels really comfortable, but God doesn't always leave us with status quo. Sure. Yeah. Well, and it, it ties back to your first implica- or your first application point. You got to value everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when we when we say that, you know, oh, how does this affect me and that immediate response of like how does your coming in and taking my space and crowding and maybe now it's busier on reserve or mm-hmm. oh, now there's more tall buildings going up and they're taking away my view of the mountains, my view of the mountains, like right. I'm placing my value above yours at that point. And that's not right. You know, the, the Ehlers uh, joining us recently from California, and they're talking about, uh, a couple of weeks ago, they're talking about the crime within their town, within the blocks of where they lived. And they read just a day's worth or a couple, two days worth of headlines from th- their community and murder this and murder that and mm-hmm. and a and a stick up and a and a two car crash <clears throat> and mm-hmm. and all, you know and it, it it got to be in about four or five six major events per day wow no. and i wouldn't want to live there and i wouldn't want them to have to live there yeah you can't you can't leave there you you have to stay yeah. We're all full. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. That said, don't move to Montana. It's full up here. Like, if you're listening to this from out of state, we're all full. Reserve is too full. Don't move to Missoula. 
Um, not for my sake, but for Jacob's sake. For my sake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we've got plenty of land in the Northwest. <laughs> no. So, and diversity does bring its. It brings issues. It brings new conversations. It, it brings does. new challenges that you didn't anticipate. It, when we say we want to be a business. church of diversity, we're not saying we know how to do this. Like, no, very we, much so. We will probably have some lessons that we'll have to learn. Mm-hmm. I almost guarantee you we're going to screw this up at some point. We're going to be like, <laughs> oh, wait, that was a terrible idea. That is not how you do that. That's yeah. not how you do that. Um, yeah, so so in, that, in that look, in that mindset, what does diversity look like? Uh, like pop quiz question, Rob, what does diversity look like in your mind? Jacob, what does diversity look like? And, and specifically in application at Mission Ridge, like what does it mean for us as Mission Ridge to be a diverse church? What does that look like? How does that play out in your minds? Hmm. Well, for me, it's, it, there's the diversity of, of all these different, I, you know, subgroups and so you have race you have um age groups like we've we've talked about diversity in age sure yeah we've had this influx of young people in our church we were pretty darn hooligans yeah we were off my lawn we were averaging you know 50 plus i think uh, i would never guess at people's ages but they were all older than me (laughs) <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, probably not 50 plus, but we were averaging probably a good 40 between everybody. Middle-aged. Like, Up yeah. in the middle-aged. And and we've probably dropped 10 years in the last... Yeah, I think that our, our average age range, our median age, definitely dropped down into probably the 30s. Mm-hmm. But then you have diversity based off of medium income. Sure. Okay, income diversity. Wealth and distribution. Yep. And then I you know, also think about, you know, like education, you know, folks with PhDs, folks having uh, technical jobs. Sure. You know, GEDs, high, high school diploma. Coming from various backgrounds, different, different areas. And then you have white collar, blue collar. Okay. And then you have politics. Definitely need a little diversity there. So, you know, Missoula runs fairly liberal. Yep. But the state runs pretty pretty red. Which Mm -hmm. should make it easy to get a diverse crowd in Missoula, actually. Yeah. Um I know Moscow, which was kind of similar. Yeah. Uh, Moscow's a little bit in the same same boat. I know ended up pretty close to fifty fifty as far as uh and I guess it was more like that area than Moscow itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be close to fifty-fifty. Um, probably Moscow, I guess the Moscow ran blue. The area outside of Moscow cities. ran red. Ran pretty red, which is very similar to what we see here in Missoula. Mm-hmm. Missoula runs blue. Outside of Missoula runs red. Mm-hmm. Right. Trending at least. Yeah. The the, the county. So Missoula's actually metro is somewhat. It's you know it's a couple clicks in, uh, it's a couple clicks into the blue. Missoula County leans liberal, and then Montana it, it, as a state 
is one, two, three, four and a half clicks to the right. Yep. So once you get out of the, once you get out of the city, things start going right pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's ninety percent, like ninety percent versus forty and forty-five. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. So it shouldn't be terribly difficult, and I think it, just thinking about the people that we have now and and where you know I don't know everybody's political leanings, but I do know some people's political leanings, um, and I definitely won't dox anybody here. Like that's not the idea. But just from knowing some people's leanings, like we do have a pretty good split on that. We I know we've got people on both sides of most political issues mm-hmm. um, as it stands. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, even within my own care group, uh, you know, we got I know I've got I've got people on both sides and that's that's good. I need people on both sides to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um I need people with ideas that I disagree with. That was, I mean, that was your third application point was you need a, what is, uh, you need a fellowship, not just, not just have people in proximity, but we need a fellowship with people that, that disagree with us. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. On a lot of these ideas. And when I think about that, you know, there's, you know, we've, we've all made maybe like an inappropriate joke or a joke so a joke that we kind of lived with all of our lives, and then you meet somebody uh, that actually deals with that particular issue. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up with depends jokes, you know, being told fairly regularly uh, within our household when I was a kid. Oh, like the adult diapers? The adult diapers. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Like, what's the difference between, you know, a baby and uh, a grandma? Well, it depends. Depends. <laughs> right. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. But when you have a young person that has to wear depends oh. because of medical things in your life, mm-hmm. like that joke no longer... Might not hit the same way. It loses its luster. It loses its luster. I like the way you said that. That's perfect. I mean, I still laugh at it. And so... Uh, you know, and I just think and in terms of you, when you fellowship <laughs> with someone that, that sees things differently than you do. Sure. It makes you stop and go, huh, I hadn't thought of that, about that before. Like before, I didn't need to think about that because everybody in my people group saw things exact same way. Sure. But now that someone that I care about sees something a little differently than me or maybe a lot differently... And some of it I get, some of it I don't, some of it I agree with, some of it I don't. But still, mm-hmm. I'm starting to think about the world differently. I broaden my view. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing. Right. It's a yeah. good thing. And that that doesn't mean that you can't make jokes, but it you should understand how it's going to possibly impact people. Well, and the whole That's reason for the... bringing up the jokes piece is, is just the fact that sometimes... It takes a different experience for us uh-huh. to think about that topic differently. Uh-huh. Like you could think about topic A for the same way, you know, 20 years, you know, just, you know, everybody within my peer group thinks about exhibit A, same way. I don't even give it a second thought. And then all of a sudden I have a new person in my peer group and I'm like, oh. Hadn't thought of that. Yeah. 
Yep. What we call presuppositional truth, things that we presuppose to be true without even really thinking about it. Sure. So for myself, when I well, when I was helping dream up core values well over a year ago now, um, you know, we we had just come back from a I think it was the exponential expo down in Southern California, which is like a church planting conference thing yeah right and you go listen to a lot of speakers talking about various church planty type things and pastors and this that and another thing okay it's really good uh, a lot of good conversations a lot of good ideas things to you know pull ideas from kind of put colors on your palette if you will uh, but one of the big talking points that year one of the big things that they were talking about was diversity it was uh very much on the forefront of everyone's minds at that time uh, and it and not not just a passing trend, it should be. Um, but talking about creating diverse churches and, and getting diversity in into churches. Um, and so we came back from from there and we were wrestling with, well, how do we walk that out in Missoula, Montana? And we were looking at some of our demographics because when you look at the demographics of Missoula, um, Rob, I think you're pulling these up probably right now, <clears throat> but I'll, uh, 95.3%. Oh, there you go. 95.3%. What? Caucasian? Caucasian. 95.3% white. Oh, that's actually language. Only, only English. Only English. Oh, that's English. Only okay. English. Only English. Okay. But a the, 91%. The, 91% white? 91 and a half, yes. 91.5% white. Okay, so that's even down. Uh, I think initially our demographic study that we had had it at 94. So that might that might have changed a little bit since since our numbers, hmm. which is neither here nor there. So it's ni- I, either way, 90% of the population is Caucasian, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, or higher, depending on where you're looking. So that, like, how do you... Because we're coming from a, a church conference in Southern California that has people coming from churches all over the nation. Like, that was a mixing pot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you're talking about churches that are in Seattle or, you know, the the Deep South and Chicago and Houston and all of these places that are drastically way more diverse racially. Right then Missoula, Montana probably ever will be. Right. Just facts being what they are. It's just probably not going to be that way. Right. <clears throat> so we were wrestling with, well, what what the heck do we do with that? Because we don't want to just be like, be like, oh, well, we can't be diverse. Right. And what, what I landed on in that how, like, because how do you gauge? It's one thing to say, like, we want to be a diverse church, but Another thing of like, how do you actually live that out? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you measure that? So in my mind, if we're going to be a diverse group of people, yes, there are the other aspects of diversity, um, you know, as far as culturally diverse or theologically diverse in some ways, we'd naturally do that as a church because we, you know, we have a lot of things that we don't take a hard stance on. And we're like, you can think this or you can think this. And you can both be, you know, you can disagree on these things, and you can both be Christians, you can both serve Christ, and you can both be saved. Like, it's, they're non-salvation issues. 
Right. right? We, yeah. So we do actually generate quite a bit of diversity there. Yes. Like, that's cool. Uh, politically, we can be diverse. Okay, cool. So, like, there, there are certain things that we can, you know, you can start to build diversity in. And even if we're not going to be crazy racially diverse just because of where we're at and it's probably just not going to happen that way mm-hmm. we can still be a community of people that if people who co- who are culturally or ethnically or racially diverse you know different from you me and joe down the street they come in and it's not a we feel different it's a we feel welcome right and yeah. creating a culture within the church of accepting people who are different than us is I think that's how you create the diversity and that's how you gauge it is are the people coming in, do they feel like they're the outsider or do they feel like they're welcomed into the family? Yep. And that I think you, you have to be willing to create space for people that are different than you. Um, I think that's how you, for me, that's how I measure it. Um, yeah, I, and I, th- I feel like that's a great starting point. I don't know if that's the the end point. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's can a launching. For sure. I think that's a launching pad. I feel like three white guys sitting in a room talking about how do we have diversity is like we're dreaming. Um, uh-huh. what we hope diversity will be. I what I really want is just God to be out in front of this, and. If God wants us to be fifty percent non-white as a church, like I, I, and we're the most diverse, like we're overly, underly diverse, uh, you know, like <laughs> like our numbers the, are we're breaking the trend. Yeah, yeah our sure. numbers are, are, you know, if that's where God wants to go, I bet that leads to some challenges and some conversations and and sure. you know things that we don't even expect. But but I think. For me, the biggest point is, God, what do you want? How do you want to shape this church? And mm-hmm. and how can we be moldable clay that's just willing to go, oh, we're supposed to go to Cornelius' house. That was a that was bad juju last time I checked, but I'm going anyway because you're asking me. Yeah. You're, you're asking me to go. So for me, that's, I think we're hopefully at a good launching point. Yeah. I wonder what this conversation looks like a year from now, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that this is, yeah, this is definitely something that's going to continue to grow and change. I hope it does. Because um, I think if we're if we're still just sitting around just talking about it, we're not, then we're not doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you but. are drastically different culturally, racially, than, you know, Logan and I, um, and you're like, man, you're missing the boat, please Call us. Tell Rob. Message us. <laughs> uh, get with us. Let us, like, help us have this conversation. Sure. I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of uh, how many times have I seen, like, someone post something on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then people from other cultures go, dude, do you even understand what you just did? Oh, yeah. No, I saw one mm-hmm. of those. I saw one of those in a worship leader group that I'm in the other day. And it was a uh, kind of blew up, but it was a there was a a gif, gif, well, however you want to pronounce it, zeif, uh, the little movie picture thing uh, <laughs> that somebody reacted with. Um, I'm going with the peanut butter. 
and they didn't even uh, like the person who posted it. Did, they didn't mean anything by it, but uh, it had some uh, it had some cultural uh, like it was a uh, wasn't a blackface reference, but it was a uh, oh a mod Madri Madri. I, I had to go look up the term, and I forget what it is now. It's like the 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 old southern tre it was it's like a trope of a southern uh housemaid um mm. like the aunt jemima kind of oh mm. um oh mod no that's like nope I, I don't remember the name of it but i had to go like look up what the heck they were talking about right i had no idea that this was even a thing mm. right um <clears throat> and and though because it was a, a controlled group of of you know, this is a group of Christians that are all on the same team here. Like nobody got really there was, but there was some defensiveness, but nobody really got too crazy out of hand. Like if this had been on Twitter, it would have blown up and there would have been people mm. like yelling at each other and sure. calling everybody racist. Like nobody here was like shouting at each other and getting mad. But even, even within that group, there was still some defensiveness of like, ah, I didn't mean anything like that. Like, don't be, you know, but then, you know, don't you know what you're posting? Like, it was a whole lot like it was, but it was, I had to go look this up cause I had no idea that that was a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, so there's, there's aspects of that, that until we, until we start to get some of that diversity, we just won't know what we don't know. Right. You well, know? and I think it's interesting to look at like <coughs> specifically what John and, uh, Paul seem to do. Uh, I think they fell in love with, uh, like the Greeks essentially. Um, oh, definitely, and, and to some degree the Romans, because um, for sure reading their material and the level at which they can like uh, like John one is an amazing example of John speaking to both the Greek and the Jew um, at very deep levels. Um, a Greek reads John one uh, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Um, I'm pretty sure in the Greek it's log- logos, right? It is. It mm-hmm. is. Um, and that was a very big term to Greek thinkers. Yep. Um, you know, they used it all the time. Like we would use grace or the gospel or something like that, you know, um, this word that just had a lot of meaning to them. And, and, you know, they'd be hearing John one and they'd be like, yeah, in the beginning was Logos and Logos was with God and Logos was God. Um, and then, there's the point where he starts engaging them and it talks about Logos becoming flesh. And they're like, no, that doesn't make sense, dude. <laughs> and then of course that goes but on the flip Jesus. side, on the flip side, you've got the Jewish perspective, mm-hmm. which he's also speaking to. Yes. You know, but, but definitely like he definitely is definitely speaking to the Greeks in a lot of ways. In the Jewish perspective, they hear, they hear the word, they think Torah. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning was Torah and Tra was with God and Tra was God. And it engages both of them um, in, like, volumes of thought. Like, John essentially became an expert on both Greek thought and Jewish thought. The Jewish thought, he, he was raised in that. It was sure. easy for him to become an expert on. Sure. But becoming an expert on Greek thought, that must have been challenging for him. Different worldview. Completely, like, mm-hmm. and he, he saw it around, you know. Well, and his his and his whole gospel is is much more Greek. They're they're more 
Greek references, Greek cultural references throughout the gospel that it's just mind blowing how how he uh, addresses both cultures at the same time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know what? It, of course, he's quoting Jesus. So here, here, Jesus is like showing off, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know, someone's talking about. You know, John John ended up in Asia Minor, you know, some years later, and then he sends a text back to Peter. It's like, do you remember when Jesus said this? Did you know? Did you did, do you remember, did do you you remember know? when Jesus said this thing about being like I am the gatekeeper? <laughs> you remember what we thought that meant? Well, here's the thing that's going on over here. And there's this God named uh was it Janus? I think that was Janus. Uh yes, that was yeah. the Roman god. It was the, it so was, Peter and gets was just this, like wait what? Peter gets this text. Well, you know, well, maybe not text, but you know, this he was a, it was a Slack <laughs> channel with all the disciples. Yeah. Like they were all in a Slack channel. It was a WhatsApp. It was a Facebook Messenger group. Or, and uh, and they're everybody's reacting with the the screamy Van Gogh or uh, was it Van Gogh the screamy face emojis. I think it, uh, I think they were tweeting. I think they were. Using, oh, they were. They were using. They were Twitter carrier carry, carry pigeons. Oh, oh! oh. I fell for that. He fell did. for that. You got me. That was beautiful. That was terrible. That was. Uh, that was. That was delicious. That was so bad. I'm changing topics. All right. So, how does discipleship impact diversity? Well, sorry, I had a bit more. No, you're good. Um, Go ahead. Like, there's you're, one. You're cut off. There's one teaching in John, even where you're a eunuch, where Jesus is like, you have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Yes. Um, to Jewish thought, that that is insanity. That is like that That's is cannibalism, Patrick. Cannibalism and like <laughs> and breaks every 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 law. There's a lot. That of is definitely not kosher. You yes. can't drink any blood, let alone a human's blood. Um, there's nothing very not kosher. More and you don't touch a dead person. Yeah. There's nothing more dirty. There's nothing more unclean than a dead person. That yep. is the most unclean thing in the list. Um. And in that teaching, the disciples are like, "This is a hard one. I don't. We don't know what to do with I this got one, nothing. Jesus." Um, okay. and, and John even it's even in that gospel. But then John goes over to Asia Minor. Yep. And like, there's Dionysus. Um, I'm a Dionysus. Dionysus. Um, Dionysus. And I liked your Dionysus. Dionysus. Our fun. Dialysis. Um, Dialysis. <laughs> I think that's what messed me up, but. Uh, <laughs> He he says, "Drink of my blood." Um, He's the god of the party. There's a few gods that say, "Eat of my flesh," um, and it's bread. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, so Jesus was was referencing these things too. Sure. Um, and Paul Paul is amazing at speaking to both contexts. He does it in some insane ways where you're reading it and given both contexts, you're like, "How did he do this?" <laughs> oh yeah. How did like this was the Holy Spirit? Paul definitely fell in love with. Paul was definitely in love with the the Greek and the Roman worlds, and he still engaged them. Like, yeah, they knew that there were problems with these cultures. Really had a heart for them. He was a brilliant man. I mean, that's in knowing his background from a training standpoint makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was he was he was basically Harvard level thinker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the biggest. Thinkers in Jewish thought was his rabbi. Gamaliel. 
again, Leo. So can we move on to discipleship impacting diversity? Sorry, I, we, I just had a bit more we, with like... Are we good now? I think part of the diversity is trying to look at and understand and get a heart for these different groups. Yep. Because we can just accept them in and be like, sure, you have a spot. But if we don't like, if we don't try to engage and... If we don't embrace them. If we don't embrace them. Um, and if we don't learn from them. Mm-hmm. The the church learns so much from the Greeks. Um, sure. So are you saying we should bring in Gen Xers and let them speak on the podcast? Definitely not. Get the Gen Xers out of here. <laughs> We've got a Gen Z. So we have. I'm barely. We Gen have Z. standards, Rob. <laughs> Gen Xers. Psh, get that out. I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. If you're a Gen Xer, feel free. You can come join. Are you a Gen X? What are you? Actually, yeah, I am Gen X. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, yeah, well, you're not that young. I always just think of it. I always think of him as a boomer because he keeps calling himself Ancient of Days. <laughs> ancient of Days. But no, you, know, you call me Ancient of Days. <laughs> no, you started that joke, and I just I accepted it. I was I figured you were you were choosing your identifier. I'm like, all right. We have a little bit of age diversity in this podcast. <laughs> a little bit, not a ton. A millennial, a Gen Z, Gen X. Yep. But uh, yeah, 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 you know those millennials—they couldn't even stick with the Gen X Z nomenclature. Like that. you They're were just, the first ones you, to use you say that, that like, crap. You say that like they named themselves. <laughs> you know they did. For one, Gen Z is probably going to change. I bet at some point the name is going to change for it because it always changes. Well, you, you can't really Gen A one. They have trouble naming them until they get past. Yeah. Until you get the next. Until you get. And Whatever comes after Gen Z. Gen Z is pretty new. So at some point, someone will make up a new name, and it'll be cooler and more fun, like Millennial. <laughs> we should talk about discipleship. Because Gen X is actually, Gen, is actually Millennial. Gen Y is Millennial. Or is it Gen Y? It'd be, we I guess it's Gen Y, but they came but up no with But no one uses Gen Y because Millennial is cooler. Uh, sure. <laughs> I, I don't care. Uh, but <laughs> discipleship impacting diversity. So, how does Rob? How does how do you see diversity being impacted by divi- discipleship, or vice versa? Well, I think it, it it starts by helping just look at when you don't have diversity, or if you won't allow diversity. What does that mean to discipleship? And and. <clears throat> And what I get, so when I'm watching f- Facebook posts of, of Christians in particular, mm-hmm. the sense I get is that the unintended message is that you need to become like us. Well, isn't that what discipleship is? You're becoming just like your rabbi? It is. It right? Is. Specifically so if, if I'm like discipling somebody, Jesus. they should become just like, yeah, in a Jewish sense, discipleship. Was becoming just like your rabbi, so they should become just like me, right? Well, but what I see is is this probably unintended message that you need to become like me before we even start relating with each other. Mm. Like if you want, if we're sure. going to be in relationship, and you need to totally buy into everything that I believe without even going through the process mm-hmm. of of understanding how I landed where I landed. Yeah, sure. You know, so it's just, you know, it's just a dialogue that says, you are 100% wrong. And 
if you want to be one hundred percent right, then be like me. Be like me, but you just need to accept my opinion wholesale mm-hmm. without the conversation. I think discipleship says you join us, we help you become mature like Christ, and in effect, we're asking you to become like Christ. So become mature in Christ, but you be ultimately Christ is the one who's out in front. Yeah, Christ is the one is leading us. Christ is the one who's changing us, and Christ never has never asked me to do something without giving me the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, I think what's missing is the conversation. What do you mean by that? Well, again, I see people. I, I've had people that I care about put out a post and like, and if you don't buy into this. You need to unfriend me. Oh, I hate those. And I usually respond to them. <laughs> but private message and just go, yeah, I don't think those are mutually inclusive. Like, I actually, that was actually my response once. I don't think those are mutually inclusive. Mm. And just waited to see if I was going to get the unfriended, you know, vote. <laughs> and I never did. I was glad. Um, but... You know, Brene Brown talks about just how the political conversation has become so rigid in America. And if you don't believe like I believe, then then you, you know, GTFO. Yeah, that means get out for all the boomers listening. Get the friend out. (laughs) (laughs) So, um. You know, and what's amazing to me is like most of America is fairly moderate. Yeah. And if they lean to the left or if they lean to the right, they're still fairly moderate. Yeah, but there there's it it has it has increased. Like the the divide has increased in the last 20 years. Like the the median um for each uh, has increased, like the split has become a little bit more drastic, but overall it's still, most people are more towards the middle. Well, uh, is that just the, is that split, is that based off of, what? what's the data? I mean, the, that- so if you, if you, uh, I'm trying to, I'd have to go look this up to remember specifically, but there was, it was two graphs and I think they were measuring the political leanings of people. So if I identified uh, if if somebody identified as a Republican, say, or a conservative, politically left or politically right, then the average the average conservative, um, somehow, however they were measuring, placed them on a scale, and the middle would have been perfectly moderate, and it placed them on a scale, and there was a point on this scale to the right of of the middle, and in twenty years ago, it was. Call it, uh, if you're called the center of the scale 50%, let's say that the right, they were 65%. The median of the the Republican identifying fell there. And it had moved and become a more drastic curve to the right of that, let's say 75% now. Mm-hmm. And it was a higher, and it was a more, more drastic, instead of an even slope up to that, it was a more drastic curve up. And the same thing had happened on the left side saying that the divide was growing further 
but it was driven not because the moderates were becoming more divided. <laughs> it was being driven by the outside and the more extreme political rights and the political lefts were becoming more intense. Mm. And that was what was driving the gap and pulling people out was these political extremes. So when I say... Um, <clears throat> when I say that you become like us and then you could join the conversation, you know, for... For some people, when they see you walk in the church with your hat on... Oh, sure. They want you to take your hat off. Mm-hmm. Without ever the conversation of why they value not wearing that their hat yeah in church yep you know or insert some, whatever yeah whatever the topic is wearing you, shorts wearing sandals you know tattoos on the arms like yep. you know cover up you know would you would you cover up your tattoos please more you know? makeup um jewelry yeah insert whatever so you know smoking was you know, 20 years ago, that was kind of a big deal for churches. Mm. And, you know, without ever having the conversation about why why they valued protecting the body and, you know, the mm-hmm. long-term benefits of, you know, and, and this the body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, and so you want to take care of, you know, if that's your vantage point of why you don't smoke. But instead of having that conversation with people... Mm-hmm. It's it's just like we don't want smokers in this church, you know. Or yeah. or if they're gonna smoke, they need to smoke out back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that was the conversation twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I feel like uh, we need to have a a church culture where you come in. You get to know us. We figure out who you are. Like we get this. We get to know you. This bi-directional conversation, and as you hear about what I value, yep, and what has shaped my life, and how God has engaged with me, and and these kinds of things, then we talk about why it's important for you to, you know adhere to the different practices and and you know those kinds of things and i feel like that's what that's the power of discipleship mm. versus a policing mentality of you know walking around policing people for their different actions or yeah i yeah. can see that and i think part of and it's one of the harder parts of the diversity conversation is taking a look at our traditions that we adhere to. Um, and because the Jews had to do the same thing when they brought in the, the Gentiles, you know, they had to think, do what of these apply to the Gentiles? And like, I know the hat thing is a big divide between, uh, younger generations and older generations. Um, and I never wear a hat. 
doesn't affect me much. But you know, I'm, like I'm working on him. I'm discipling him. I'm trying to get him there. <laughs> You're an old soul, Jacob. I'm trying um, to get you. I just gotta get you there. I just don't like hats. Uh, not usually a huge fan. I'm working on um, them, people. But but there's <laughs> a lot discipleship. Of, a lot of people my age that uh, of course Jesus would be wearing a hat. Won't go without a hat. Like they feel weird if they don't wear a hat. <laughs> and to them, it's part of they represent themselves, and they don't have the background of we take off our hats in church. Mm-hmm. And you, I don't know. Maybe someone can find the verse for me. <laughs> Where does it some, say that? In some the of us are just rebellious. <laughs> I can be rebellious. Um, Jesus was rebellious. No, in there's some ways. <laughs> there's a there's, and that's a hard conversation because, and that's that's an easy one for me to talk about because it's not my tradition, yeah, right? Sure. I, for, it never affects me because I never wear uh-huh. a hat. <laughs> um, but and, and and that's that's the hard stuff is is especially like because that's not even that's not even a big one. Um, yeah. or for some people it is a big one, but well, like, but it, on the on the in on the majority it's it's a smaller, yes. like that's a smaller issue for most people. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and, and or you know, not not even stuff that are actually a rule for anyone, but just like you know, accepting in other cultures that just look so different the way they want to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we do Sunday mornings looks so different from how. Um, they do Sunday mornings in Mexico. Um, I've heard great stories and they sound like interesting experiences. Um, and, but yeah, just like the way Christians do stuff all over the world is so different and, and that's hard enough for us to engage. There was a gal here that was visiting our church weekend ago and she's from the Philippines and service is done and she says, Pastor Rob, is the service done? She's used to a longer service. Mm. <laughs> huh. And where we highlight the fact that, oh, someone went 45 minutes. I get uppity <laughs> if Rob starts talking too long, like, I want to get out of there. <laughs> That's culturally different different expectations. Sure. sure. We got Peter talking so long people fall out of windows he wasn't talking for 45 minutes <laughs> that wasn't a short sermon <laughs> was it peter or paul uh i'm pretty sure it was peter wasn't it axe it could be yeah, it was axe i it think was, it was paul it was paul mm. still an axe yeah well then he went and resurrected the guy and then kept talking the way they would do stuff it'd be a more of a teaching than a way we tend sure. to do stuff drastically um, different it'd but. be pretty different cool Not that way we do is wrong well, obviously, there's not anything to talk about involving diversity, and this is something that we just really had to strain to have a conversation over. So uh, with that... The shortest footnotes yet. Yeah, definitely <laughs> our shortest yet. But with that, uh, go ahead and get involved in the care groups this week and uh, go hash this out. Let us know what you think. Uh, yell at us if we got something wrong. Uh, Logan at missionridge.church. I'll, I'll put myself under the gun this week. But... Uh, Give us a holler, and I would love to hear what you're thinking. And we'll catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed, and that you'll join us again next week for more Footnotes. Footnotes.